There's my mother left in me How much of my love will be insane to some degree And what about this feeling that I'm never good enough Will it wash out in the water or is it always in the blood How much of my father am I destined to become Or will I turn the lights inside me just to satisfy someone Or will I let this woman kill me Or do away with jealous love Will it wash out in the water Or is it always in the blood I can't feel the love I want I can't feel the love I need But it's never gonna come the way I am Could I change it if I wanted Can I rise above the flood Will it wash out in the water Or is it always in the blood? How much like my brothers do my brothers want to be? Does a broken home become another broken family? Or will we be there for each other like nobody ever could? Or will it wash out in the water? Or is it always in the blood? I can't feel the love I want I can't feel the love I need But it's never gonna come the way I am Could I change it if I wanted? Can I rise above the flood? Will it wash out in the water? Or is it always in the blood? Good morning, everyone. How you doing? I'll try it again. How you doing? All right. Let's stand and let's just worship the Lord today. I thought I knew what I was talking about when I testified of your great love. I was a soul on fire. There was no doubt. Bible believing, saved and washed in the blood. But it wasn't till I stumbled 
Make a me. 
God, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here. Touching every heart, I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. I worship you.
We just thank you that you are the way maker, that um, when everything else just seems to be hectic and crazy and falling apart, that God, you are you make a way in, in all, all the chaos. And so we give you praise for that. As we're here today, God, we give you thanks for just a, a beautiful day so far, but we're thankful that we're here to worship you, that nobody's here or um, watching online or anything. By mistake, you have us here because you love us and you want to go ahead and reach us with whatever you're going to speak to us, whether it's song and word or something else. And so, God, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to be upon um, everybody in this room here today and anybody in the sound of my voice. And God, just uh, you make a way in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. For everyone else, um, our kids can head to our Haven um, Kids uh, Ministry. And everybody else, look at somebody around you and say, uh, hey, Jesus is a way maker. Glad to see you in church. not dead. No, he's here for you tonight. I want you to know this. God loves you. God loves you. I promise you that. God is willing to forgive our sins. He'll give us a new life and a new beginning. Good morning. You like hallelujah better? All right. Hallelujah. 
you guys are too easy, I'm telling you. Good morning and welcome. I see some happy faces returning. That back row is filled up back there and I, another row was filled up, I saw. I'm just excited that y'all are here today and we're just glad to have you here at Haven. Um, we have some people and folks we wanna lift in prayer. Um, Donna wants to lift Joyce, her friend, for surgery on Friday. She's not looking, so I hope that was right. Okay. <laughs> um, Lisa Bailey, her friend Otto, his son is in ICU. So we want to lift them in prayers. Um, Holly Kipp for her dad. He just lost his mom, so we really want to keep him lifting prayers. Some unspoken prayers. And a student at Perryville High School has brain cancer. Um, and I'm wondering if that's not my neighbor. He lives in my neighborhood, I think. Young guy. I'll talk to you about that later, but I think he lives near me. Jim and, Jim and Jennifer, we are excited, and so are they. Mer traveling mercies for their trip to Israel. Uh, they'll be leaving on Tuesday, and to keep be Benjamin safe while they're gone. So we'll make sure he behaves, okay? We'll do our best. Um, and Jaden, I owe you apology. You wrote two prayer requests last week, and I accidentally skipped them. So happy birthday to Elliot Taylor, Mrs. Mix, Miss Newman, Polly, Bella, and Jaden. Um, and also for the solo that they were doing in the course. I do apologize because you're a good kid, and I should have not skipped that. Um, we had some really sad news this week. Um, Dennis Christie, our brother in Christ, um, passed away. And he uh, just kind of unexpectedly, he was getting better. And then all of a sudden, he wasn't better. So uh, we want to keep his family in prayer and, and lift them. Also, um, we have been praying for a set of twins, Olivia and Sophie. And Olivia passed away this week. Um, she had some bone marrow cancer issues and she passed and the other she is in the hospital so we want to lift her in prayer and keep that child and just full of love from god and and filled with mercies um and the jurgens family bill the one son which i screwed up a week ago or two weeks ago he is still in the hospital and he has a real low o2 level so we're going to pray that that gets lifted and that he recovers and Kurt is traveling which is a good thing um, because he's the one that went through a year journey of the cancer did I get him right backwards again oh my gosh anyway she has two sons we love them both let's keep praying did I really do that again I give up oh man one of these days um, and I just want to um, do a shout out for me I have been invited to speak on the National Day of Prayer at the um, Elkton Presbyterian Church. And I'd like to invite all my friends here to come see me. It's from 12 to 1. It's a lunch hour thing. Very brief, very quick. I get to go first so you can you know, leave when I get done. But I, <laughs> I did not say that out loud. Okay. Sorry, Jack. My bad. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, that's coming up. And May 2nd, we got a lot of love going on, okay? Uh, volunteers, you should have all gotten your um, T-shirts. If not, let Ron and I know. We'll double check on them, okay? So now, is everybody ready for the fun stuff? We're going to pray. What do we do? Hands on our knees. Just give it to God. Whatever you woke up with on your heart this morning, your two sons, that I will get them straight, I swear, I promise. <sighs> God, watch over them. Be with those that are going to be traveling and need traveling mercies. Wes, we're happy to see you back. We know you were 
kicking last week, so we're glad to see you back. But God, anything that's on your heart, your children having babies, your spouse having issues, your coworkers, whatever is on your heart, give it to God. Now raise your hands and praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Today is Brenda's birthday. Happy birthday. I'm not allowed to do that anymore, but since it's so messed up on the list, I want to make sure you know it's your birthday. Heavenly Father, be with those. Be with those who have financial needs, who are suffering, who have addictions and need to work through them. Be with each and every one of us here at Haven as our church grows, and we are a beautiful Haven family. Be with the twin that has lost her sister, and we know how devastating that can be. Be with Pastor Jack as he talks about our doubting it today. Give him the message. Give us the word. And thank you, Jesus, for the graciousness you give us, the glory you give us, and the love you fill our hearts with. All we have to do is ask. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. How are we doing? Good. Did you enjoy some rain yesterday? Anybody get some rain? Wind? Anybody run after to put stuff inside from the rain? I did. Um, so it's, it's all good. Um, so it kind of feels like uh, uh, anybody dealing with allergies? All right. So hopefully some of that rain knocked down some of that pollen and I don't have to pay to wash my car again, um, but whatever. Um, so it's good to have everybody here. Today we are um, in our first series since, um, since Easter. Uh, last week, in case you missed it, um, I ch challenge you to go back and get it. Our um, Haven Youth did a really great job, didn't they? Do a fantastic job. And, um, and so... Um, and I'm not as old as Judah said as I am. Um, I actually became a year older this week. So I, I, somebody said, what did you do special on your birthday? I said, I survived. So there we go. We, we just add another tick on there and keep on going. But um, I was, uh, you know, I wanted to, um, I was looking at several different um, kind of ideas for, um, for messages. And I wanted to uh, touch on a, a couple. And I just, just doubt started popping up in my head. And I wanted to talk about it a little bit. A um, couple other things, though, I do want to just touch on in general that were up there. Um, we... We do have May 2nd, um, which is really kind of cool because I've not seen all the churches in the area and a ton of churches in the area at least um, 
all coming together, um, and this is in, in several states, so um, it's free. Uh, the uh, Franklin, Franklin Graham um, will be here, and um, Joanna's laughing. I'm not going to make a Ben Franklin joke, um, but um, the, uh, it's just never going to live that down. But anyway, the, um, uh, it's going to be great. A lot of people are going to be there, and, um, and again, invite people um, who don't know the Lord, bring people who know the Lord. It's just going to be a great time to come together, so that is on... Um, the second, and I'm really, I'm really proud as a pastor. We have um, 19 or 20 volunteers from this church that are going to be there, and that's, and I, there's, there wasn't a lot of spots, but we, we took a big chunk of them. So I'm really proud of everybody connecting and doing that from the, from the church here and making those things happen. Then um, a couple other things on. Um, in uh, May, um, which will be here soon, um, we are right after church. We are going to have um, Haven 101, which is our introductory to um, membership. And you, or if you want to go ahead and just connect and find out how Haven came in existence, what it's about, those kind of things, just stay after church. It's an hour long after church, um, and we'll we'll hit it. We'll go. You'll get a little booklet and um, and help, help you know more. And then um, in June. Um, we are going to go ahead and we're going to have our baptism. You saw the uh, thing up there. You can sign up for that now. Um, you can sign up uh, via havencc.org. You can um, send an email to connections at havencc.org. Or if you want, you, and you, have, you can get the app right in front of you, the QR code, and connect and be part of that. So in the next couple months, we've got some really cool things going on. And then um, as a after the uh, baptism, we'll have a big dinner afterwards to celebrate that. And we don't have to go far. We go across the parking lot, and there's a creek back there. And it's a, it's a beautiful area, and we'll have a good time. Sound good? Is that good? All right. Okay, so um, we're going to talk about uh, doubt. And how many of you ever doubted anything? Okay. Um, and so we're going to talk about doubt. And um, I, since we didn't do it over, over uh, Easter, I almost said Christmas, one of those big holidays. Um, but I wanted to kind of uh, start with the Easter message because it's going to set up the rest of the series. And we, we have lots of doubts in life. And, um, and so what I want to do is I want to share this from Matthew chapter 28, if you have your... Um, Worship God bulletin, it's in there. But what we learn is that after Jesus died and rose from the dead, the New Testament reports that Jesus appeared 13 different times to people. That's a lot of times. Um, and uh, he appeared to the women near the tomb. He appeared to two men on the walk to Emmaus. He appeared to the 10 disciples um, a couple times. And according to the Apostle Paul, he appeared to 500 others who were most of them alive at the time. Paul said, go ask them. They saw him. And so um, he, he took the disciples fishing and he took them up to a mountain. And so what you see is Jesus was a beach guy and a mountain guy. So he liked them both. Um, and um, so 13 different times in the New Testament afterwards. And so um, let's look at Matthew 28 because it, it gives us that that great, um, that great story, that great connection. Here's what it says here. It says, early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning. His clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear. And when they saw him, they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid. I find it really interesting the women didn't fall in a dead faint, but the, the other one's dead. Anyway, um, he said, 
I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead just as he said he, it would happen. Okay, so that's, that was one of the first stories that we heard. And then we, here they go back and they tell Peter and John and, uh, and the disciples that were there. And um, John and Peter take off running. Peter took off first, but John writes in his gospel, but he made it to the tomb faster. He's telling you he's faster than Simon Peter. Um, so it's just a very, really cool thing. But he also didn't go in first. Peter just went, let me check, and went right in there. So then this started the appearances that we have that is there. And so at this one appearance, we're going to bounce around to some of these appearances because they're important. Um, at this one appearance in uh, Matthew 28, Jesus and the disciples are on the mountain before his ascension. Now, in case you don't, uh, you're uh, familiar with the ascension, the ascension is where Jesus said the last few words to the disciples, and then he flew up in the air just like Superman. Okay, that's I think. He could have been really fast, like, but it said he went up in the air until the uh, a cloud covered him. And um, so he gave them some instructions, and he told them to, hey, go into all the world, and tell them about me. Tell them about the good news. Tell them what I did. Tell them that I'm the son of God. Tell them that I was without sin. Tell them that I, I took all the sin of the world upon the cross and paid that price for them. I died on the cross, but God raised me from the dead so that anyone who, who knows or believes in me will be forgiven, be transformed, and have eternal life. After this one, he said, so go to uh, Judea, Samaria, um, Jerusalem, the ends of the earth, go everywhere and tell people about me. And then he said, like that, okay? Right? It wasn't the Star Trek thing, like, he just took off, all right? And so, um, and, and what's really cool, it says the same way he left is the same way he's going to return. So he's going to be like, back down, which is really cool. And then we get to fly, and I'm really excited about that, because I'm going to have an S, and I'm going to have a cape. I'm just telling you, that's what's going to happen. But anyway, um, and my new body's going to look like Superman as well. But anyway, um, so he says their job was to go into all the world. And, um, and then we have this verse that I think is missed. There's a, something that is, it is missed in this, and it's, a, and it's from the same chapter, the chapter on the resurrection, Matthew 28, and here, here Here's what it says in verse 16 and 17. The 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Now, this is before the ascension. And it says, when they saw him, they worshiped him. But, now I don't know about you, I just see, I just see the part where they came to the mountain like, oh, it's Jesus, and they start worshiping. But several of the disciples, it says, but some of them doubted. So you have someone like, oh, Jesus, and someone like, when he dead? I don't know that's him. Mm, I'll wait and see what happens to you. You know, and, and we know that when he popped in the room, someone thought it was a ghost. So they were kind of unsure. And, and you have this section where they had seen the risen Christ. Some just respond and worship, and others like, eh, I don't know. Could be a lookalike. I don't know. I'm not sure what's, what's going on today. And so I want to start with that today, that here are the disciples, the people who went ahead and followed the, what's known as the Great Commission, went out into all the world telling people about Jesus. And some of them, if not many, maybe most of them, said, eh, I'm not sure. And they had some doubt that was there. Now, there's a funny observation about human nature that I found. Um, I don't know why, but have you noticed when you see something that that happens in someone's life, not like bad, like terrible, and it's awful that they're falling apart, but something that just kind of, something that you think is really, really awesome, and something like negative happens to them. Don't you get a little bit comfort that they go through some struggles too? Anybody like that? Like, you don't, like, I mean, you see that a lot. Like, people are like, oh, wow. Like, like if somebody, something happens to them that everything works out perfect for them, and something doesn't work for them, and you go, 
well, I don't feel so bad. You know, okay, I, okay, I'm a, uh, they're a screw-up too. That's awesome. I like like that. And, you know, I've had people sometimes tell me, you know, like when I've had something, they said, man, that is so good to know that pastors have problems too. And I'm like, I'm glad my suffering is really helping you in life. But, um, and hopefully God will do more of that because that's what I exist for. Um, but you know what I mean? Does anybody know what I mean? I mean, you may be really holy and have a, have a halo. I don't. Sometimes I go ahead and I get, I feel, I feel wonderful when other people suffer like me. Okay, it's okay. We can talk about this in church. Okay, so, so this is what ends up happening at times. And it just, like in this section, it makes me feel better that some of the disciples, the people that spent three years with Jesus, after he told them what was going to happen and told them that he was going to rise from the dead, that they see him and they go, mm, I'm not sure. And they doubt it too. Because if I'm honest, I have doubts in my life. Anybody else have doubts in your life? And and it happens because there's sometimes in my faith journey over the years where God is so real. God is so close, so present, so powerful, so amazing in my life. And if somebody came up and told me, hey, God's not real, I'd say your mom's not real. You know what I mean? I mean, you made her up. I, you, you say I made him up. I made her up. You know You know what I mean? Like there's those times where it's like I will take on everything in the world because I know that God, and God is real and he's strong and he's powerful and he's just present in my life. And there are those moments when he's so close and I feel so close to him. And then there are other times, and you may have never heard a pastor say this, but anyway, I'll, I'll break the mold today, um, where there are other times that I, Jack Cohen, have, have doubted and had moments of, well, hey, am I assured of my salvation? And, and it's, it's, what, if, what if this isn't like, what if God really isn't? You know, anybody ever going through that? And he's kind of like, well, you know, what if, what if I was just taught this? And, you know, because I'm not feeling God right now. And I'm not seeing it displayed in, in, displayed in my life. And, you know, if God's there, does, I don't think he really cares about me. I think he's like, like Aristotle thought. God set things in motion and sat back and said, let's see these fools go at it. You know, and sometimes you feel that way. Uh, and then, you know, at other times I've prayed about something and, and I said, oh, God's going to answer, and it doesn't happen. And Judah talked a little bit about that last week, but sometimes it's like, man, I thought you'd show up, and you didn't. And you start going, well, maybe God, ah, I don't know. And what I, what I realized is um, that now I can look back at those times, and every time I've had those doubts about my salvation or questions about God's existence or his caring, it is often when... I have not been in a place in my own life where I've been strong in prayer. I've been strong in being in his word. I haven't done the things to, uh, as Tommy Tenney wrote, to chase after God and to seek him with everything that I have or, or even, um, even some of the thing I have. A lot of times it's just that I'm kind of like, eh, okay. And then I, I end up in this place where I just don't see, I, I start to doubt in, in many things. But there's other times when he answers my prayers that it's so obvious. That it's not a crutch or an emotion. And no, it's reality. And yes, it can be really, 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 add some more reallys. Lonely at times in Christian circles, when you start to have doubts or you have to start to have questions. Sometimes you, you want to ask questions, but you say, man, if I really admit or that I'm thinking about this, or if I really say I have this doubt or I'm unsure about this thing, that am I the only one who's having that? 
Or if I ask this, what are they going to think about me? Because I don't know if you're about to know this, but a lot of times in Christian circles, when you say something, it, 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 they go, oh. You ever said something in a Christian circle and people go, oh. Anybody? Stick around for a while. I'll give you a lot of those. But uh, you know what I mean? And you just, you just got, and so what, what we do, we put on this kind of like, okay, everything's fine and wonderful and I have no doubts and I just believe and I'm awesome. And we don't allow the place for, for those questions and those things to be asked and those things to work through those things. So you may want to ask, but sometimes you may feel guilty about asking or feel ashamed or, or don't want to be that vulnerable to go ahead and ask something. And I'm convinced that just in my, my time as a pastor over the many years that there are some people who have left the church, not because God isn't good, not because they, um, not because they, they just say, no, there's no God, but because I think that they have some questions and they don't feel safe answering them. And oftentimes when they ask questions, people tell them, don't ever ask that question, just, just believe. Just, just, yeah, oh, you don't have enough faith. And I think that's wrong as we look at the scripture because the church has been, in many cases, been just too dismissive of people's questions or, or avoidant. Like, if you ever ask a question in a, um, in a uh, Christian environment, I mean, ask Jen. It happens all the time in youth environments, right? They ask a question, and then it's like somebody, you, you, as a youth leader, sometimes you got to become a magician because they're like, you did not ask that question, you know, and you go on and you just know the next. Anybody else have a question? You know, like those kind of things. And, and a lot of times in Bible studies we do that. I, I, I love questions. And I, I, one of the things I love questions is like, you know what? I really don't know. Let me go check that out. And we'll talk about it. I think it's, I think it's good. Or you Google underneath the table and make yourself sound really intelligent. All right. Um, but, but I'm convinced that there's some people that just don't feel safe to talk about their doubts. And so, again, the question is simply this. Do you have doubts? We have doubts all the time, naturally. And, um, and so I just started saying, well, why do we doubt? Why do we have doubts with God? And I see several reasons. Well, then the first thing is this. Often we have doubt because there's questions we can't answer. There's just some questions we can't answer. And we come across something in the Bible and we say, well, it's there and... It says this, but I just don't quite understand that. And I need, I need an answer to that. How many of you are somebody who, who has to find an answer if it's out there? Anybody raise your hand. Um, how many of you, uh, the less I know, the better my life is? Okay, so some of you are like that. You know, ignorance is bliss sometimes. Um, but, but a lot of times we're like that. The second thing is sometimes there's a situation that just seems unfair in life. That something happens. Like we just talked about those twins, and I'm just like as brokenhearted. And then somebody who was in our community who had um, the two little boys that both had the same cancer and one died at eight years old and the other one was back in the hospital. It just doesn't seem right. You know what I mean? Um, or, or maybe you went ahead and you were, you've, you've been married for years and you're trying to have a child and you can't have one. And, and then the uh, 14-year-old neighbor has five. You know what I mean? It just it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. And you just don't know what, what to do in those things. And so you're like, okay, I prayed about this and... God could have done this, but he didn't. Why didn't he? Does he not love me? Did he not hear me? Uh, there's bad things that happen to good people. And even worse, there's good things that happen to bad people. I don't know about you, but that second one bothers me a lot more than the first one. Like, I, I think bad things should happen to bad people. And I've got a list for God if he wants them. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, and then there's just stuff in the world. Like, when you looked at... there's. 
every day, innocent children dying and suffering. You know, the highest age of malnutrition in the world is under five years old. Um, innocent people are casualties of being hurt in the war in Ukraine, and not only just being hurt by war actions there and around the world, but they're starving because of the annihilation of the areas. And I, I read this, that in, in 2022, they estimated that there are 828 million hungry people, and then if you really add up people who are, they said, in, um, in f with food levels in food insecurity around the world, it's 2.3 billion. 2.3 billion. That people who were just born, in, born into a family are starving from the point that they are, they are born. So that's roughly 29% of the population. Doesn't seem right, does it? In a world so plentiful, in a world that just throws food away all the time, that there's people who are starving just by where they were they were born, and, and we wonder, well, where are you, God? Where are you in that? Third thing is, sometimes there are hurts that we can't resolve. It's a big one, right? We, we had something that, was, that happened to us when we were younger, or we had some tragedy, and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to minimize that, that. There is something that happened that is big, and it put a hurt in you. I, I, I dare, if I went around the room and asked everyone, and everybody was honest, I guarantee you there's something that happened in your life that was life-changing to you. There's some hurt, some moment that kind of shifted life that it might have been when you were a kid and you were going along and everything was fun and, fun and fine and you had your strawberry shortcake doll and you're running around and then something happened and it changed the trajectory of your life or the way you felt about things in life. Or it could have been when you're older and you're, you're at a point and, and you're living life and then all of a sudden uh, you, you may have had a child die and that makes no sense and it changed you forever. Or you may have gone through something and, 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 and had a brokenness. You may have started a business and had it going well, and then something happened, and you trusted somebody, and they took everything, and it fell apart. Whatever it is, I would guarantee you that there's something that everybody has gone through that has brought a hurt into your life. And some of us can't resolve that. We can't get through it. And then maybe you might have gone to church and said, I'm going to reach out to God in this time. And you felt, okay, this is going to be a safe place. And someone betrayed you. Or somebody didn't give you the love and care that you deserved and needed at that time. And, and sometimes we who are Christians, sometimes we make it worse. Because there are some Christians that, let's say, just don't have much grace. Or don't have any grace at all. And they're, they're like bumper sticker theology. I believe it. That settles it. End of story. Everything is black and white, but the problem is sometimes the world's really complicated. When someone has a question and they can't find an answer, someone hurts them, there's a theological question, they feel let down or betrayed, or there's a situation, and there's not a lot of grace, and there's not a little flexibility, or, um, but there's, too, there's a lot of rigidity. It's very rigid, and, and people won't bend and begin to, to talk to people. And, you know, we, we spent some time with Jesus and the Pharisees with the lost thing, and they were very rigid. And Jesus met the person where they were. And sometimes people have a question when there's no bend, they break. And they feel like maybe the only option is if this is God and this is what God represents and I don't want any parts of it. And they may have even been hurt more by it. So what I want to show you this week and throughout this series is that your doubts, if handled properly, can truly be a catalyst 
for a stronger faith. That your doubts can actually not take you away from God, but bring you closer to him. So why do we doubt? Why do we doubt? Well, when we're in doubt, because that's going to happen, we doubt because it's, and this is something that's important to understand, that your faith is a journey, not a destination. Your faith is a journey, not a destination. Here's what I'm telling you. You don't ever arrive until you die and arrive. With me? That means you die, you go to heaven if you believe in Jesus. That's when you're, and that's when it's just getting started. That's when the good stuff's just getting started. So we never one day go ahead and arrive and like, oh my gosh, yes, now I am, I got it. I am super Christian now. I got it. I don't have it. Okay, I took those classes. I, I went ahead. I did the work. I've got my PhD and my master's in faith. I'm good now. And um, I've got a perfect faith. It's awesome. Bring it at me, everything. I've got it. I'm perfect. We never arrive there. You got it? We never get to that point here on earth. And, and you're never going to understand absolutely everything. We're never going to understand God. The, the more I get in scripture, the more I get live life, I don't understand God. And it's a good thing because if I have God, you think this world's bad now, let me in charge. It's going to be real bad, all right? Um, and because I've got my own ways of thinking. And guess what? The Lord even told us, guess what? My ways are not your ways. I, I try to talk to God and say, I think my way is better. And he laughs and goes on with it. But, you know, he says, my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. And so you don't understand what I'm doing. But I do love the fact that when I fly in heaven with my Superman costume, that when I get there, um, everything's going to be known even as I fully known. In other words, I'm not going to want to know those things because all I'm going to do is just find Jesus and the people that are going before me and just worship and praise him. I'm not going to be the disciples and doubt like, am I in heaven? Nah, maybe I'm dreaming. Wake up, pinch me, you know. No, I'm going to know even as I'm fully known. And there's going to be a completeness that's there. We never just understand everything. And, and for the next several weeks, we're going we're gonna to get into the point that we are never going to absolutely understand everything. And I want to tell you, we don't even understand what goes on in, with basic things in the world, in our world. So how can we know the thing about the creator who created the entire universe? How can we begin to deal with that. And one week we're going to talk about science and God and how those things work together and in the galaxy. So, you know, like for instance, I want to tell you, I was raised in church from week one. I was in church. And many of you may have been raised in church. And many of you parents may have raised kids in church. And I'm going to tell you, at some point, I don't want you to be surprised if your children start to wrestle with some things in faith. And they start to doubt and they start to ask some questions. If that happens, don't panic and don't say, no, don't do that. I'm not listening. You don't question. You're going to burn. You're going to bust hell wide open for asking questions. Don't do that. Don't panic. What I want you to recognize in many ways is that often as, as kids grow and as they develop, and even as we as adults grow, is that we've seen the faith of people who are really secure. Have you, have you had people in your life, could have been a grandmother, could have been a grandfather, could have been a mom, a dad, an aunt, an uncle, that they just had a faith that was amazing. Anybody been there? Somebody in your life? Could be somebody not even related to you. Could have been a teacher. Could have been somebody else who just had this faith. And you're looking at them and you're like, how in the world do they do that? How in the world do they have that faith? And so what happens a lot of times is, particularly like if you're a faithful person, you raise your kids in the church, they start to have doubts and questions. They have noticed your faith. And if they're asking questions, just maybe they're wondering, how can I make your faith 
my own faith. Or maybe they can say, you know, how can my faith in God be as real as yours? Or maybe in some cases they say, I don't want what you have. I want something deeper. So it's a good thing that people often ask that. It's not necessarily a bad thing. They may have to ask some real, sincere, um, hard, complicated questions that they're wrestling with. In other words, take it from, oh, my dad was this person, my mom was this person, my grandmother. You know, as a pastor, when you say you're a pastor, people start to tell you all the religious people in their family when they're not. You know, my grandfather read through the Bible five times. Oh, that's great. Good. Um, did you know my great, 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 great uncle was a pastor? No, I didn't. What's his name? I don't even know him. I'm not that old. But people want to tell you that. Why? Because they saw that faith and they want to connect and it's not with them. And so they want to develop those things at times. And so if there's questions or doubts, it's not a time to panic. It's a time to process. It's a time to talk. It's a time to listen. It's a time to be open. Because the church and at home should be the safest place in the world to ask questions. And unfortunately, historically, it hasn't been. And we need to change that. We need to open that. And so what we're talking about basically is a difference between faith and belief. And faith is a gift. It's a gift for us. It's a, it's a, a, we want a good measure of faith. One of the things <coughs> that we see is a biblical definition of faith is being sure what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I can't prove what I hope for is going to happen, but I trust it will. I trust that the Lord is going to return. I trust that if I gave my life to Jesus, as messy as it is, and I believe in him, and I trust in him as my Savior and Lord, that I'm a mess, and he's not, and he loves me so much, I believe that when I die, I'm going with him. But I also believe that through him, I can get through anything this world has, because he promised me that he wouldn't leave me alone, but he sent his Holy Spirit, and that with that, I can have a fullness of life now. I believe that in my life. I believe it. But I can't prove it to you. I can't prove it to you. What I can do, and sometimes I have problems proving it to myself. And that's the moments when I have to be, I have to, uh, be sure of what I hope for and certain of what I do not see. And sometimes doubt creeps into this area. Belief is not the same as faith. So I want to ask you a question. Ready? This is Bible Trivia Day. Here we go. Who was the first to declare Jesus as the Son of God? Anybody know? We need like a little Jeopardy music here. Anybody know? Nope. 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 Give up? You want to go to final Jeopardy? Okay, here we go. The demons. Ah, you know that? The demons believed, but they didn't have faith in it. You with me? What we're seeing here is like what James, the brother of Jesus, says, you believe there is one God, good, even the demons believe that. And they shudder. They believe, but they don't have faith in him. They don't trust in him. As Lord Savior. You can go mess with people with that trivia question all day, all right? Notice that the demons believed he was the son of God, but they didn't have faith. And so what we learn is it's possible to have good theology and right beliefs, but not have faith. In Ephesians 2, verse 8, the Apostle Paul says, For it is by grace you have been saved through what? Not belief. Through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's what? God's gift. God loves you so much. He knows you're going to have all kinds of questions. He knows you're going to have all kinds of doubts. And he loves you so much to say, 
boom, here's some faith just to believe it. Just believe it. Just trust in me in those areas. Now, I know that you're going to have the questions, and that's okay. But just know that I'm going to come through for you, that I am who I say I am. I am who I say I am. And it is grace through faith in Christ, not beliefs. Faith is a seed to believe. We believe because we have faith. We don't have faith because we believe. We believe because we have faith. With me? Faith starts it all. Faith is that, Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed. He said, he didn't say, if you have belief in a mustard seed, if you have faith in a mustard seed, you can say, move mountain. If you believe, if you believe, if you believe. And I hope you'll discover, number two, the strongest faith is not a faith that never doubts. The strongest faith is a faith that grows through your doubts. Bible example of this is the best person, and you know it. If I am going to give you a hint, ready? Doubting, there we go, Doubting Thomas. Um, one of the 12, and Thomas gets a raw deal in life, all right? And, and let's look what it says in John chapter tw- 20. It says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. Now, it's really funny in Greek here, because in Greek, it's a verb that says an, it's an active tense, and so what it means is that they say it over and over and over again. Anybody been in a car with kids when they don't know where you're going? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Mom, 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 mommy, mom, mommy, mom, 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 dad, 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 daddy, dad, 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 daddy, daddy, dad, 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 mom, mom. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? What they're doing. Here's Thomas. He wasn't around. He comes back. Last time he heard, saw and heard about Jesus, he was dead and in a tomb. And they're locked away. He comes back in and they go, we saw Jesus. We saw Jesus. Guess what? We saw Jesus. We saw Jesus. Jesus rose. We saw Jesus. We saw Jesus. You guys, wait, what's... Is there something in here that you guys have been ingesting or something here? I mean, no, no. No, we saw Jesus. We saw Jesus. Guess what, Thomas? I saw Jesus. We saw Jesus. We saw Jesus. And he's saying, I'm not going to believe it until I see him. Shut up. Anybody ever done that? And the kids, shut your mouth. You're going to get there some way, you know, right? Anybody ever done that? Thomas is bombarded by this. We've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. Hey, guess what? We saw the Lord. We saw Jesus. We make a little song, right? Jesus, Jesus, we saw Jesus. You didn't, you didn't. Right? This is what they're doing. And he's getting, if I were him, I would have dealt with it for about five minutes. I mean, my kids start, when they start in the car, I would say, you want me to pull this car over? And you know, your your arm gets bigger, doesn't it? When you're like swinging back here like that. Um, And so here's Thomas. He's dealing with this. And Thomas says, hey, he replies, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound on his side. He is tired of hearing this. He says, you guys are crazy. Just shut up. Just be quiet. I don't want to hear it. I don't believe you. I doubt that. I saw him last time. You guys been locked up in this room a little too long. And that is the reason he goes down in history as Doubting Thomas. He gets a bad rap. I mean, the only reason the others were believing is because they were there and saw Jesus. He was a, he was a realist. He knew what happened. And he had faith. And you, we'll see some things in his faith. But he just was struggling with, I saw what he went through. We just talked about what Jesus went through on the cross. Yeah, we have 2,000 years of Christianity. Say, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus, crucified, dead, and buried. We just say it in like one sentence, like, woo. Thomas is a realist. He saw it. He's like, I don't know what's going on. I got to see him myself. 
He was just asking to do what they did. He was just asking to do what they did, you know. They saw him. You know, so I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of Thomas in a lot of us. You know, he had been through some stuff in his life. You've been through some stuff in your life. He'd seen some stuff. Anybody here seen some stuff in your life? He had some disappointments. Anybody had disappointments? He had some heartbreaks. As I look around this room, I know many of you had some heartbreaks. Some very real, very honest, very sincere, and very complicated questions. When they're hitting him, we saw Jesus, we saw Jesus. Woo! He was saying, Romans don't make mistakes. I saw him. I saw him say, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. I heard him say, Tetelestai. I saw him put in a tomb and sealed. Nah. The pain of losing Jesus hit him. The pain of believing that he was the Messiah was just struggling with where he was now. I got some questions. And unless I see it myself, unless I do that, I'm not going to believe. You see, just because you have questions doesn't make you bad or doesn't make you weak. Questions make you hum human. The great uh, writer and um, fantastic um, devotional um, written by this man, Oswald Chambers. Anybody heard of Oswald Chambers? It's a great thing. Said this, doubt is not always a sign that a man is wrong. It may be a sign that he's thinking. Your doubts don't disqualify your faith. We're, I think we need to think a little bit more sometimes about our faith. And I think God gave us brains to do that. When thinking of the disciples and their spiritual strengths, I got to say, in looking at Thomas, I think Thomas is right up there at the top of, uh, of those who have um, some of the strongest faith that there is. And I'll give you two reasons. The first one is um, he was super dedicated to Jesus and he was courageous and had a great sense of humor. Um, and in John 11, there's this guy named Lazarus and Jesus was friends with the family and Mary and Martha were his, his sisters and Lazarus had gotten sick and they sent a message to Jesus and Jesus waited intentionally a couple more days. And then Lazarus died and, um, and Jesus said, hey, guess what? We're going we're gonna to go back. And, and it's, it's really neat in the King James, it says that Lazarus stinketh much. You know, so he must have been a teenage boy at the time, right? You know, um, but he stinketh much. I mean, he was stanky, right, um, in the tomb. And when they say, hey, when Jesus went and said, hey, roll around the stone, they say, nope, he stinketh much. He'd been there for, for a couple days. He's not doing well. It's not, not a good thing after four days to, to pull him out. So, so they're getting ready to go, and Jesus says, hey, you know, we're going we're gonna to go visit. We're going to go back to Lazarus. Um, He's, he's sleeping. And they say, well, if he's sleeping, you know, hey, he'll get better. And he says, no. And here's what Jesus says. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Let us go to him. Then Thomas, known as Didymus, literally that means the twin. Thomas, and in Aramaic and in Greek and in Hebrew, um, means the twin. That's why they called him T. Diddy, right? All right. Um, <laughs> said to the rest of the disciples, here's Thomas, let us go that we may die with him too. Now, 
you missed something there that I'm going to explain to you. Remember I said, in, in Hebrew, toma, in Aramaic, uh, teoma, in uh, Greek, didymus, they all mean the twin. And it was more of a nickname, Thomas the twin. There's an implication by many scholars with the way this is written that he got that nickname because he looked like Jesus. So you can imagine, people wanted to kill Jesus. Thomas is sitting there, and they go, hey, Lazarus is dead. And Thomas says, oh, great. I look like him. People are going to mistake me for him. Let's go so that I can be dead too, right? And he goes. There's a humor. There's a courage. He was committed to Jesus and went no matter what. He's basically saying, if they're going to kill us, let's go. All right, it's all good. It's all good, you know. And, and he's starting there. And the second thing is Thomas asked and wanted to know and ask questions. Jesus told the disciples, hey, I'm, at one point in John chapter 14, he said, hey, I'm going to go away. And when I go away, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And, and it's my father's house, and depending on what version you read, mansions or rooms, whatever. Um, it's a great place. That's going to be awesome. And I'm going to go um, to prepare a place for you. And who, answered, who asked the question? T. Diddy. Thomas. He says, hey, Jesus, how can I know the way to get there if we're supposed to go if we don't know where you're going and we don't know the way to get there? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life, that kind of thing, right? But Thomas is the one asking the questions, isn't he? Peter is the one reacting. <coughs> Thomas is the one asking questions. And that's a good thing. When he had doubts, he wanted to know. He wanted to have the best ever. <coughs> but he was still committed no matter what. Even if he looked like Jesus, even people mistook him for Jesus at the time, even if he was going into a hotbed where people wanted to kill Jesus, he said, all right, let's go. All right, that's fun. And so when Thomas has a question, when Jesus says something, often in the scripture you say, oh, 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 pick me, Jesus, Tom, it's me, Thomas, Thomas. Yeah, Thomas, what's up? What's up? Hey, how do I know how to get there? Well, here's how you go. Look constantly. <coughs> he had a sincere question. Hey, Jesus, you know what? I want to go to where you're going. You're preparing a place for me. I want to be there with you. I want to go with you. I gotta, how do I get there? I'd be like me saying, hey, guess what? We got a great party, lots of food, steak. If you don't like steak, if you're a vegan, we got that stuff there too, whatever you want. We got whatever you want is awesome. We got donuts, Krispy Kreme, just out of the oven. So you want to go. And what are you going to ask? I'll say, okay, it's at 3 o'clock. I go like this. What's your question? How do you get there? Where are you going? And if I say, hey, I'm the way, you're going to be like, no, I'm going to follow you then. And that's what Thomas was doing. He was following Jesus because he was fully committed to Jesus. Even if it was his own detriment, he wanted to know because he had such a faith. He had such an incredible faith and a commitment to follow Jesus, and yet he had questions, and he goes down to history as doubting Thomas, when he should be faithful Thomas more than anybody. So if your children or others around you start to have questions, it's not a time to panic or throw in the towel. It's a time to process and talk and discuss. Don't walk away. Keep on pressing into the things of God. <laughs> but how did Jesus respond to Thomas's doubt? In John chapter 20, verse 26, remember he said, hey, I'm not going to believe unless I see and put my fingers in him. And he says this, eight days later, how many days? Eight days later. Notice something very important. Even with his doubt, Thomas showed back up. Thomas kept coming back. 
He could have left that place and gone. He left, obviously, because he came back. But he could have gone back and said, those guys are whack. I thought they were crazy the three years, but Jesus was around and kind of kept, those guys, man, I'm done with them. But he, did, he kept coming back. Kept coming back. And it says, he kept coming back. And, and he showed up. And for those of you who are here in the sound of my voice, I guarantee some of you have questions. Some of you, you young people were probably drugged here by your parents and you got questions and things, and that's good. Have those questions. Have those discussions. Because your doubts don't dismiss your faith. They'll strengthen them. Thomas had doubts, kept showing back up. Even in the middle of his doubts, he showed back up. And some of you are doing the same thing. And then it says, the doors were locked. So eight days later, he shows up and the doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. And he said, peace be with you. If I was Jesus, I would go on, boo. You know what I mean? But he said, peace be with you, he said. And what does it go on here? And then notice he, he saw everybody else before. He'd say, hi, hi, gang, how you doing? I'm back. Um, I didn't play, uh, you know, M&M's Guess Who's Back or whatever like that. No, he just came in and he said, he goes right to Thomas. And interesting, he goes right to him. The one who wasn't there, he said, hey, Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound in my side. And don't be what? Faithless any longer. Believe. You see, Thomas had faith, but had doubts that were getting in the way of his full belief. He was struggling to believe that Jesus rose from the dead because of his doubts. He had faith in Jesus, but it, it was his doubts were combating with his belief. And Jesus says, don't be faithless anymore. Here I am. I'm doing what you asked for. Believe. And you know what's awesome? Remember what Thomas said? He said, I won't believe unless I put my finger in his hands as I see scars and put my finger in his side. Thomas never did that. Never did it. He said, I won't believe unless I do that. And Jesus says, here I am. Go ahead and do it. And what does it say? Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Faith, not putting his finger in his hands. He didn't say, yep, that's you. Let me check. You know, like the popping fresh thing. He didn't do that. He saw him, Jesus said, go ahead, do what you need to do. And he went, my Lord and my God. His faith became stronger at that moment. At that moment, more than ever, ever could be before. What did Jesus do? And how does he relate to doubts? Doubters. Jesus came to Thomas and gave Thomas exactly what he needed at that moment. He'll do the same thing with us. At one moment, Thomas was doubting. I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to believe it until I do this. And the next moment, he was shouting, my Lord and my God. How do we react when Jesus touches our lives? When Jesus answers our questions and doubts in a big way? So if in doubt, we need to understand something. We need to recognize that God is not distant in your doubts. Somebody needs to hear this. Jesus is not a standoffish savior who is far removed that he's just going to be like, if you ask a question, go, oh, I'm done with you, zap. No, he's much bigger than that. He's willing to be touched. He's willing, uh, if Jesus feels far away, reach out to him. Because he's reaching out to you. You can ask questions. You can give your frustrations to him. You can wrestle with him. That's what Jacob did in the Old Testament. Wrestle, God wrestled with him. You can complain to him. You can tell him that you don't understand. Thomas asked questions. Thomas needed answers. Thomas even put together, I'm not going to believe unless. And Jesus said, go for it. And he never had to. 
What did Thomas do, though? He served and followed Jesus faithfully, even in the midst of his doubts. In fact, tradition tells us that Thomas was passionate about preaching Jesus. There's a, there's a picture that's here um, uh, called the uh, Martyr of St. Thomas. Um, I think it's right there, right, Melinda? Um, there we go, right there. And, um, and that shows him stabbing. Tradition tells us that Thomas traveled outside the Roman Empire to preach the gospel. Um, many churches in India, there are churches in India, and in the Middle East, particularly in Syria, and Southern Asia and Sri Lanka, mention the Apostle Thomas as the evangelist. We're told that by history that he was actually murdered in India in the year 72 um, after a conflict with Hindu priests because he was converting too many of them. And he was killed for converting them, and they drove a stake or a spear through his stomach and his heart. And he's proving to us something that when you have questions and when you have doubts, it doesn't disqualify your faith. I'm going to show you how awesome Thomas was, this doubting Thomas. This is the map where the disciples died. And you can see where all these up here, I mean, there's a, you can look this up online. But if you go, this next slide, go ahead, and I think it's up here. In the moon. Right there is where Thomas went. Thomas actually went outside the Roman Empire to an area that was more dangerous than ever and spread the gospel. Than more than anybody. Does that seem like a doubting Thomas? No, it's a faithful Thomas because he knew exactly who Jesus was. Remember, your, your faith is a journey. It's never a destination. What's going to happen in your life or in the life of a friend or a classmate, a coworker, a child, a brother, a sister? There's going to be a question or there's going to be questions and there's going to be doubts and there's going to be moments of insecurity and you're going to want details and you're going to want an answer and you're not going to have the answer yet you're... At the same time, your spiritual enemy, Satan, the devil, is going to try to give you use your doubt to drive you away from God. He's going to try to use that to drive you away from God. He's going to say, you're not a real believer. You think by saying that prayer, that actually did something? You, you don't have real faith. You're, you're doubting all the time. That's not faith. This stuff's not real. That church doesn't care about you. People don't care about you. They don't really love you. God really hasn't forgiven you. You've been way too bad. You've done way too many bad things. You're filthy. After what you said, after what you did, after what you think about, I mean, you're sitting in church, and I know what you're thinking about, and that's bad. After how you act, like you leave church, and then that person cuts you off the road, and you say those words. After how you behave, there's no way that God cares or loves you. The devil's going to try to use that in your doubts to tell, drive you away from God. But I want to tell you that, that God can and wants to use your doubt to draw you closer to himself. Jesus came to Thomas in the midst. I remember several years ago, in, um, I was kind of like reaching a point in life that um, I was tired. Um, I was living on what, like what uh, a church term, living on yesterday's manna which basically means, if you know the story of, um, of the Israelites, that as they were going, that God provided bread from heaven, and they only had one day on the Sabbath, the day before the Sabbath, that they got extra and would keep there. But if they kept some left over, it rotted, and it was there. And a lot of times in our life, we have these great high points. We have these points, like I said, that were really connected to God. But it's a new meal every day. Like, I had, I had some really good food earlier this week. It was really, really good. But if I never ate anything else the week, I'm going to be starving. Or if I ate that and it wasn't refrigerated, it wasn't taken care of, then it's not going to be good now. 
right? Anybody pull out your food from the refrigerator that you find when you clean out and go, right? Some of us live our spiritual lives like that, and I was doing that. I was living on yesterday's manna. And um, I had several people in my life telling me, uh, people inside and outside church life telling me I needed a sabbatical. And I was like, nah, that's a, that's a weakness. I don't need that. I'll just suck it up and keep going. Um, and as I look back, I noticed that Saturdays, particularly when I was getting ready for church, I became very agitated. Um, I had a very short temper, very short fuse. I was frustrated. I was just, you know, um, in my life. And I remember um, that there was this one Sunday and I was getting ready to preach. And this went on for a while. Like the action here was set up by living off of yesterday's manna a long, long time. And, um, and worship was going on. I, I was singing and playing and I was sitting there and I was singing the words. I was, I had the sermon down and all that kind of stuff. And I was trying to worship and connect. And I honestly was feeling nothing but empty. Anybody been there? Like the, the music's great, might be your favorite worship song, you might have your favorite verse or whatever, but eh. Like you're going through the words. You're like, uh, you know, you're, you're singing, Waymaker, Miracle Work. Oh, you are, that's who you are. And you're like, mm, you don't feel like that's who you are, you know? And you're just empty. And I, I don't know what, but at that moment, like kind of a sort of panic hit me because I'm getting ready to preach in a little bit. And it felt this huge weight on my shoulders. And then it just kind of snapped in my head. And this went very quickly, but it was like a lot of things very quickly. Because you can do that with ADHD. Um, what if my life has been dedicated to a pipe dream or just something that doesn't matter? What if this is a, an emotional crutch? Or what if I'm wrong about it all? I'm telling you the pressure that had been building hit full weight at that moment, and yet I had to go preach it a little bit, and I looked at the door, and I thought, you know, I could just walk out, and nobody would know they think I had to go do something, and I could just keep on going. I, I, I was trying to work my escape plan. Like, I was, like, just going to keep on driving and going and going like Thelma and Louise, you know what I mean? I was just going to go. And um, because of several contributing factors in my life and coping skills, that I put in place for years that were no longer working. They actually never worked, but they bought time. Now at this moment, I was overwhelmed with confusion and doubt. And I, I took a deep breath, and I remember my eyes tearing up, and um, I shut my eyes for a bit, and I prayed, and I just kind of said, God, if you're there, I need you, and I need you to show me something. And it was like, at that moment, I had a vision and fast forward. But it seemed longer, but God knew I didn't have a lot of time. So he just kind of gave it all to me very quickly um, or just stopped time. And I was taken back to when I was at the, I was a five-year-old kid at an altar in Federalsburg, Maryland at Christ Church when that was when I accepted Jesus. I remember earlier in that week, we had Christian coffee houses. Some of you have heard this story. Um, and there was a chalk drawing artist. Anybody remember them? They would do chalk and made, they'd make a swipe and you didn't know what it was, but then it came and stuff. And what he drew was the wise and foolish builder. The, the wise man builds his house upon the rock. The foolish man builds his house upon the sand. And when the waves came and the, on, on the, the house in the rock stood firm, but the one in the sand crumbled. And I was five years old and didn't understand all that stuff. And I remember the guy asked us to raise his hand. And, and I did because I saw Jill raise her hand. And we were drug everywhere together. 
Um, and I remember her going, no, Jack, you haven't, you didn't accept Jesus yet. And I was like, hmm. I didn't know what that fully meant, but I was around church everywhere, and I just kind of in my childlike faith felt like something was missing for the first time. Because I had been around church. I mean, we, my dad was a good old, as I say, Methecostal. So we saw some crazy, I mean, we'd be on vacation, and we'd have a prayer meeting in church. You know, I'm like, I thought we were going to go play putt-putt. You know what I mean? Um, but anyway, that's kind of just how life was. And I didn't understand deep theology and all that kind of stuff, but on that Sunday, when the altar call came, I found myself as a, as a five-year-old at the altar. And I, and I can remember, like, I can remember just feeling surrounded by people because I was a little dude and I was at the altar and I was surrounded by people. And I remember dad praying. I can't tell you exactly everything. And I just remember people crying and hugging me and everything else after that. But more than, more than that, I didn't understand theology, but I, but I felt something different. And it was that day that God began the calling on my life that he had put in my life. Others from over the years and even after that, um, they would tell dad and as they grew older, they would tell me that people at different parts in the church saw that an image of Jesus with his hand on me at that day. Now, that's not so great to grow up with when you're a teenager, you know, and you're trying to run from God, but that was there. And it was like God was giving me this very quickly and even as quickly as that moment hit me, I thought of, it, it popped in again. And it was when Peter was walk, walking on water. And he said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out and walk on water. And Peter just said, come on. And he got out of the boat and he began to walk. It's just the same thing as Jesus saying, look, here's my side. Here's my hands. You're doubting. It's me. They all said, oh, no, it's a ghost. And Peter's like, if it's you, come tell me. Come tell me. And I, at this moment, I was wrestling with myself. God, if you're there, I need something right now. And he said, come, get on the water. And when Peter started walking on the water, it says he saw the wind and the waves. And he began to seek, sink. And he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus didn't say, sink or swim. <laughs> what did he do? It says, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and said, you got little faith. Why did you doubt? I thought about the word faith. Okay, it takes faith. But you know what? Number two, and this is the last thing that we have here, the greatest doubters often become the strongest believers. Thomas went the furthest of anybody. What I know is faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is a means to push through doubt. In Psalm 23, verse 4, it says, Yea, or even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And many of us, you're, when you're in a valley, what do you do? You keep walking till you get out of it. You keep going till you get out of it. You keep on going. You keep on going. You don't say, I think I'm just going to stay here. I don't like the valley. It's dark. It's dark easier, but you know, I'm just going to stay right here. No. You keep walking till you get through it. And how do you walk through? You, you follow the light. You follow to where there's an opening in the light. And you get through it. You keep walking. You keep walking. You keep walking. Even though there's stuff going. You know, like, and usually when you hear something that isn't, Comfortable? You walk faster. For those of us who are in shadows, in, in the valley of doubt, often we stop there and say, I give up. Keep walking. Something hits you that brings even more down. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking to Jesus. 
Because in the valley of the shadow of doubt, you have to keep walking. You have to keep showing back up. You have to keep trusting God. You don't have a faultless faith, but all you need is a little bit of faith to keep going. And so what I want to do, I want to invite people in this series and today, and I want you to keep walking and come to Jesus. You're in the middle of that shadow of doubt. Keep walking. Keep walking toward Jesus. Why? Because your faith is, is a journey. It's not a destination. No valley stops your journey toward Jesus. Listen to me. If you have doubts, keep walking to Jesus. If you're struggling, keep walking to Jesus. If you've got questions, keep walking and bring them to Jesus. If you've got baggage, keep walking and bring them to Jesus. If you've got addictions that you've tried and you can't overcome, keep walking and keep giving them to Jesus. If something happened in life that doesn't seem fair and you wonder why, keep walking and take those burdens and take your hurts and your frustrations and give them to Jesus. Cast all your cares upon them because why? He cares for you. If you've got hurts from other churches and other Christians and maybe other people, take them to Jesus and you only get it to Jesus by going and walking to him. Keep walking and keep coming to Jesus. Whatever, wherever you're watching from, if you're here in this room or you're watching online, take all that you're dealing with, keep carrying it, keep walking to it and dump it on Jesus and give it to him. Whatever your doubts may be, bring them to him and keep walking to Jesus because when you do, Jesus will come to you. And give you exactly what you need at that moment. I'll say, hey, here's my hands, here's my side. And my hope is you will be exactly like Thomas. And your moment of doubting will go to shouting, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. That's what will happen when you shout to the Lord. And remember, through faith, through faith we continually encounter the risen Christ it turns our moments of ups and downs, of struggles, our moments of doubting into shouting, into shouting, into shouting. Don't live on let yesterday's manna. Jesus is right there. If you're sinking today, say, save me. And he immediately he'll pull you back up. He loves you. Thomas is not doubting Thomas. He's faithful Thomas. And I hope that each one of us We'll take that doubt to become even stronger and more faithful every day. I got a lot of faith. I got a lot of doubt, but I got a big God. Amen? All right, let's, let's stand today as we, we go to the Lord one more time and, and just, uh, just praise him. And we have... Um, people that are willing to pray with you. Um, if that's what you need today, we've got, um, they'll be in the front and in the back and, and we're going to, uh, take offering at this time as well. And, and we know that, um, that God is a, is a good God and he still does multiplication, um, of the gifts to go ahead and, and, um, Excuse me, I'm unplugged. Um, he still does those, still moves mountains. And um, if you're visiting today, um, we, you know, we just want you to receive what God has. And you may have walked into this room, you may have been drugged into this room, 
You may have been uh, in front of a TV and you're walking back and forth and somebody in your family or somebody has this on and you're like, oh my gosh, will this get done so I can watch Face the Nation or whatever? But Jesus wants you to face him today. He wants to tell you how much he loves you. He knows you've got doubts and... And for many of us, you may be carrying around a lot of baggage, a lot of things, a lot of hurt. And you've been going through the, the church stuff, or maybe you're just like, I've been staying away from the church stuff because I know how those Christian people are. They say one thing and do something else. And you're right in many cases. But those doubts don't disqualify you. Those doubts are not going to be a tool for Satan to drive you away from from Jesus. They're going to be a time where your doubts are going to come into shouting. My Lord and my God. So bow with me for prayer right now. God, we just ask for your blessing to be upon the tithe and the offering and upon the tither and the giver. And God, we know why we're we taking so much time uh, in this next series to deal with doubts is because we've got them. Even the most faithful people doubt. God, even we all struggle and a lot of times it's because we aren't doing what we need to, to to chase after you and to follow you and to seek you and we just get tired and we're trying to live life by our own standards and our own strength and, and yet we fall short. I just know that I know that I know that somebody in the sound of my voice either right now as it's happening or days from now or whenever that somebody's going to hear and somebody is struggling with some doubts and they've had people before just say... Dismiss them. Don't answer that. Just, just you know, don't ask that. Just believe, or, or just they've been hurt, or whatever it is, God, and they just are, are frustrated. They're lost. They're broken. They hear people just saying about how great Jesus is, but in their experience, they haven't seen it, haven't felt it, haven't experienced it. They're saying, unless I see His hands and His side put my finger there, I'm not going to believe it. Jesus, meet them today where they are. And I pray that their doubts will see the risen Lord. Their lives will be changed forevermore to say, my Lord and my God. For those of us who've been living on yesterday's manna, God, give us fresh food today from your Holy Spirit. Fan the flame in us. For those of us who are Christians from that first time where we, you moved in our hearts and our lives and said, hey, you know, I need a Savior and you're it. And we may not have understood anything, but we know that our lives were changed forevermore. And then through the years, just may have gotten stale. We may have got frustrated with church and politics and church politics and all kinds of other things because we got our eyes on the winds and the wave. Today, let's get our eyes back on you. My Lord and my God. And God, just do something awesome. We're full of faith. We're full of doubt. Just fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.
Jesus, my Savior. Lord, there is none like you all of my days. I want to praise the wonders of your mighty
Have a great week, everybody. God bless you. We'll see you next week for part two.